Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Bino Line Media presents The History of Being Black. Welcome to another episode of The History of Being Black. I am still black and I am still Eunice and I am still honored and privileged to be the person that gets to invite friends and family and even strangers who become friends and family to the broadcast today. Today is, I would say, friends, family and a stranger. Uh, We are joined by Isaac M. Cooper. I've known Isaac for years, but we've never had a conversation yeah. about what I want to talk about today. So first of all, welcome to the history of being black. What is happening? I'm excited to be here. So I've known of you and I know that you deal in finances. That's pretty much the range of it. I know you talk to young people. I know you talk to families, but you are the managing partner of IMC Financial Consulting. But I think when I first met you or knew of you, you may have still been in college and you were a big time football player. How do you go from being a highly recruited football player to being the Isaac M. Cooper of IMC Financial. Oh Consulting. man, that's a that's that's a good question. Because uh, if it was up to me, I'd still be playing football. Um, right. Injuries cut it short, unfortunately. So I, I played at Sanford University. Shout out Pat Sullivan. Um, I know he's not too happy about the Iron Bowl output this previous weekend. Um, but all all, all, all to say, uh, and I have no dog in the fight. I'm a Sanford Bulldog, so I, you know. Um, but all of that to say that you know injuries cut it short. My roommate got drafted. Sweetmate got drafted, and I've always been comfortable with numbers. Um, you know, just being Jamaican by blood, one of the things that we adjusted to, you know, my mother wasn't too trustful of, uh, we'll just say Americans when it pertains to handling her money. And while I was growing up in the U.S., come to find out, all right, I'm going to school with the cash register or the individual at the um, checkout line. So I said, all right, for us to be able to leave quickly, I need to learn how to start calculating math in my head. So that was really the first instance of me being able to say, hey, mom, the change is going to be $9.47. Cashier hits change due, pops up on the screen. Everybody's looking at each other like, all right, you got that right. So from there, there was like this soft acknowledgement of being comfortable and confident and and correct with numbers. But all in all, I wanted to play ball. So after we uncovered that I wasn't going to be able to go to the league or even do pro day, I was doing an interview with Coach Sullivan um, with AL.com. And as we were coming off the field, uh, they asked, well, what are you going to do after football? I was like, I don't even know. Um, he said, well, there is this, uh, it was a Fortune 100 company. They were looking for interns, ended up interning. There, I was the only black in the state of Alabama. Again, Fortune 100 company. This particular office in Hoover, Alabama was actually the number one office in the country. So amazing training, amazing exposure. But I got very... It, it, it created a lot of curiosity on how they spoke about why black people didn't have wealth or money. And... That in itself, and again, it, it, it drew out two things. Culturally, m- my history stopped with Marcus Garvey, right? I'm Jamaican by blood. So I had to learn about Martin Luther King Jr. I didn't know about Booker T. Washington until after college. That's a problem. And and wow. through that, 
exposure, I would say late exposure, as I was in the financial industry, I knew that there were more things tied to the black community not being able to uh, uh, capitalize on all the resources and products and information as I'm learning about the Freedmen's Bank, as I'm learning about redlining and all these different aspects. So fast forward, we launched our own practice in 2016 because we felt like it wasn't just people that had money that cared about their family. And that should not be a filtering for the information necessary for those that want to better their family. So we launched our practice in 2016 where we ultimately touch every tax bracket. So we work as low as with, you know, uh, hourly employees all the way to professional athletes. We have a very, very... Um, heightened focus to make sure that the black community has the resources, but we work with all communities. Um, but but at the end of the day, our 25-year goals and metrics are tied to how we'll be able to impact the black community in a comprehensive way. Okay. So I'm going to go back to one of the first things you said. When you were playing football and you had a desire to go pro, but just injuries wouldn't allow it and your sweet mate goes pro, your, your roommate goes pro, what was the timeline for your acceptance mm. of a different path? <laughs> Because I'm curious, I know in, in telling the story, you just telling me the story, but what was the literal timeline? Because I think of how many young men who have professional sports dreams, and for whatever reason, it might not be uh, in their future, they won't let yeah. it go. And they don't necessarily go on to the next thing necessarily quickly, if ever. Right. So what was that timeline of you accepting that was not going to be your future to accepting and moving forward in this interest? It's still happening. It's still happening. Oh, okay. um, I think that is one of the, the most difficult unspoken transitions for professional athletes to experience emotionally, uh, mentally, uh, but also professionally. Uh, because if you don't have the exposure in, let me, let me step back. The first issue, now I'm about to get into a little rant. The first issue is the way we categorize, and I'm just going to speak to the NFL or, or no, NFL, NBA, all of that. I, I, I have a, I don't agree with the NFL, NBA being categorized as a career. That is not a career. So the way we even label the highest level of that particular sport should not be done as a career. Because the last time that I checked, if a child said that they wanted to grow up and be a doctor, you're not going to tell that child they need a plan B. But if a child grows up and said, I want to be a professional athlete, you're going to say, hey, make sure you got a plan B, which really is the immediate evidence that that's not a career. That's an experience. And so the labeling oh. over time, just like an experience, if we went to a concert tomorrow, there's going to be a ticket stub that says start time and end time time. That's an experience. And unfortunately, the way that I was defining that highest level because I did not have financial literacy and financial education and wasn't truly aware of how money works and taxes and the way in which my coaches, family members, those within the community that I respected, they saw that highest level as you made it. And unless you are aware that there is an expiration date with that particular sport, when it ends and it's going to and it's going to happen nine times out of 10, it's not at your will, <laughs> either an injury, yeah. Yeah. either an opportunity mm -hmm. or the way in the way you wish you uh, you speak about problems within a country. Right. So those three things could abruptly stop your ability to continue to play ball, high school, college and professionally. And so they don't understand that this is an experience to help be a launch pad for your career, give you exposure, though. It's a lot to capture in, in one moment. And so over time, I've been able to truly like authentically and it's not even no fluff oh yeah i'm in my like i'm in my purpose like i know i'm in my purpose because it has nothing to do with money and everything to do with impact and so that element in itself when i see how you know football played a role but there's times where i'm in a gym i'm like man let me 
let me go hit me a pro day. I could at least get one series, right. you know, just so th- that that still creeps up. But I, but I do think that's part of the the issue is being able to have exposure into different industries on how you would want to transition when you do with money or not. Um, having the confidence to be able to speak in a way that you are confident on the field, off the field. Um, but also having the having the wherewithal that the sport is a uh, vehicle versus the destination. Mm, I love that. Now, I have a background in working with in sports, collegiate sports and athletics and with professional athletes. And I always felt like I had a unique uh, vision of what was happening with athletes and being a woman and not being the athlete. A lot of the times people don't have a great appreciation for the intelligence it takes to be a superior athlete because I think people go along with this idea of dumb job. And I would always like defend athletes. And I'm like, listen, most of us don't have to line up against our opposition every minute of every day in public to succeed, let alone our friend whose locker is next to us, not wishing injury, but wanting an opportunity. Uh, The stress of your family situations or missing your grandma's funeral or all the different things to then go out there and so-called play a game. So how... How do you manage that? Like you mentioned the emotional toll and that you still deal with it. I think anyone who's ever been an athlete, even if they played whatever the the length of their actual experience was, not career, <laughs> still feels like they can suit up Come today. It's 60 year old out there like, put me out there, coach. Put me in, coach. So I think if you're an athlete and you've done it for a majority of your life, you're never, you're never not an athlete, right, right? right? But but talk to me about the perception of athletes, particularly African-American athletes, and as far as their, their level of intelligence. Right. That's a great question. And I, and I feel like that's part of the opportunity we have with the black athletes that we have today is around their ability to translate their genius in the corporate language, right? So mm-hmm. when you think mm-hmm. about the, and I play defensive back, I, you know, I backpedal for a living. I get on the treadmill and backpedal right now. Um, but if you think about right. the, the physics behind decisions that you have to make, being able to contort your body unexpectedly and, and, and operate in a, in a margin of, of inches and centimeters, being able to look at four or five individuals and quickly make a decision based off of, you know, five days of training and, and, and fam. So all these different elements, they just haven't figured out how to be able, or there hasn't been guidance on how to translate that to managing a team, building a team, workforce environment, uh, communication. That's probably one of the biggest aspects that athletes are due to the due to their their environment. If it's on the field or on the court, there is a there's certain communication. If it's either hand gestures or just terminologies that we utilize to be able to say, hey, you know, this person is behind you. Hey, react this way. But what is that in a workforce? And the fact that there hasn't been any internships, any apprentices to give that initial exposure, that appetite to want to learn that language is not cultivated. And that's why for me, I was like, yo, I'm going to the league. I don't even know about this email stuff. What are y'all talking about? I'm going to have somebody handle that. Mm. What do you mean? I'm going to the mm-hmm. league. Like that solves everything. And But what it does, it really delays your development as a man, as a black man, as a father, as a potential husband, because, and this is why I get frustrated with some of the, you know, even the 30 for 30 going broke that we, we um, you know, we've all seen, they came out 07, 08. What I was most frustrated about that is that the highlight was on the athlete as if they didn't have advisors or attorneys. Or CPAs, right? right? So let's who's holding their feet to the fire? But they tell the athlete, hey, just focus on ball. No. The athletes we work with, uh, no, sir. I'm gonna need you to know what a balance sheet is. 
I'm gonna need you to know what a PL statement is because wealth is transferred not in your bank account, it's at the dinner table. Wealth can transfer in a bank account, but it's gonna stop with that generation. Wealth can transfer at the dinner table and it's going to go from generation to generation because it's information versus the substance of it, which may be, you know. 401k, IRA, whatever it may be, property. And so um, I, I think the biggest thing within that transition, that mental, that emotional component is being able to see other individuals that look like yourself that can speak that language on the field, but also say like, look, bro, you could, no, you can, you can translate that, right? You can transition this. So let's see if this is a way in which you want to sharpen your skill set, serve others, but also leverage your influence in your income in a way that can be sustainable, uh, scalable, uh, but also impactful. So you have some sweet babies, <laughs> right? Would you let your youngins pursue sport? Yes, yes. I get that often just with the, you know, our oldest is a, a Irish man, that's a young young man. And uh, so how's is he going to play football? You want them, you know, banging and concussions. And I'm going to make sure that our children know how to function physically, right? So as an athlete, you got to know how to work out, move your body, stretch and things of that nature. If there is an interest to play a sport, especially at a young age, I definitely want to start with the the original football, soccer, um, just with hand-eye coordination, um, endurance, things of that nature. Now, if we get into more of American football, in my honest opinion, you, you don't have to play that and you don't have to play city league ball. You don't have to play middle school ball, especially with football. And you don't have to play 9th, 10th, and 11th grade. I, my sweet mate was drafted and he only played one year high school ball, especially with the position you play. So how big he is, I'm, I'll... I'll take all of that into consideration. Um, but sports, it, it just with team building, communication, but also a lot of what we're dealing with today when it pertains to the, the we'll just say the uncomfort that America is dealing with around race. What I appreciated about sports is that it, it forced me to speak with, work with, communicate with individuals that may not culturally align with how I'm aligned, but we had one goal. We wanted to win the football game. And so that creates a opportunity to commingle with different individuals in a space that unless you're in a sport, you have to create it for yourself. Right. And, and it's and it's rare to have that type of that that environment and then a drive and then the discipline and then just the tangibility, the metrics around growth. Right. So as you know, with sports, part of it is working out. So just if I said, look, I can only do nine pushups today and I did 10 tomorrow. Like that moment in between of me going from nine to 10 is going to be uncomfortable. Sports creates an environment where you have someone guide you through that, right? Your workout partner, one of your teammates. So there's just so many things that I would want them to experience in that. And then the frustrations of it, right? Like being at working with someone is like, yo, tighten up. I feel like I'm bringing everything to the party. So I, I would definitely want them to uh, work with the team. Uh, if it's through the prism of sports, uh, my goal is to make sure that they are physically uh, fit uh, to uh, uh, contribute <laughs> to the team. <laughs> I love that. So so when you're talking about we're talking about athletes and you were saying if some of those skills could translate into a corporate environment now that you are the corporate environment, and but you still are an athlete. Tell me when you see, so I feel like something that is pervasive in, in whether you're a professional athlete, you're a, um, so when I used to work with athletes, people would say, oh, you work with millionaires. And I would say, I don't really work with millionaires. I work with dudes who have a few million dollars. Yeah, yeah. And there's a difference. It's a mindset, right? Is <laughs> this somebody can have a couple of million dollars. They're not a million. It's a fact. Right? Um, so talk to me about that transition from when you're in a corporate space now, how many of those concepts 
particularly in our black community, cross where if a guy has a few million dollars, he's probably still just as insecure about finances as the mom who has an EBT card. That's a, that is a, what is it that's the insecurity for us about money? Yep. Yeah, that that is strong. And I'll I'll give a scenario. Uh, there was a young man he was drafted, and the night he was drafted, we actually, you know, went out to grab something to eat, and it was him, his girlfriend at the time. I believe yeah, yeah they're married. And he was like, "Hey, can my mom come?" I was like, "Uh, yeah." yeah. So we show up. It's thirteen people there. We agreed to four. Mm. As we were sitting at the table aunt uncles yeah so we were already talking about there's this property yeah so this business that we were talking about and this whole time i was looking at this may have been about five years ago the whole time i'm looking at the athlete and he's down the table i'm 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 watching him but i'm listening to them and it was the first time i thought about like when was the last and you have, do you have aunts uncles when's the last time you told your uncle or aunt no nah, i'm not gonna do that it don't sound like a good idea right right i'm cool you look up to them right and unfortunately, their ability to be able to think about, well, that million dollars that you anticipate, there's this thing called taxes. You got to pay his agent, mm-hmm. got to pay actually some of the training costs that you thought was paid for by the agent. And re- so there are these other components. And so it, it shows up immediately from the parent or family member that's involved, uh, but also the athlete, because, you know, I, there's another story, a uh, client of ours that was signed to a team out in California. <laughs> And uh, he received his bonus. He was like, hey, uh, hey, what's that thing about taxes again? I feel like my check is a little short. You know, and it was just this realization yeah. of, OK, this is real. But you actually already committed that full check to decisions prior to re- prior to receiving a check because of the. And in California, they get them taxes. They ain't, play- they gonna they ain't playing about that now. <laughs> Come on. And so now all of the decisions that was made without any type of planning, you have to react financially to the commitments. Yeah, mom, I'm going to buy you a house. Yeah, auntie, I'm going to take care of you. And you think just paying it off cash is the way to go. But ultimately, we actually have to address auntie's habits if you're going to help her out. We have to address mama's habits if we gotta if you want to help her out. And then it just creates this unfortunate domino effect of um, terrible, you know, money habits and behaviors, but it really just highlights what was inherited from a mindset. So there is this element of if I'm working with someone that just got into retirement and they got a lump sum that they rolled over and they're looking at, you know, putting some in savings and identifying their lifestyle expenses. If I'm working with working with someone that going through a divorce and they got a lump sum through the center, there is an element of splurge that we all have that regardless how old you are you you just got to get out of your system so the physicians the attorneys the dentists we work with you were living off student loans for x amount of time now you got you that big contract i had a client to say yeah i said man i I was looking at buying a home i was like no you weren't he was like you're right i was looking at this condo bro i was like look live for a little bit you know like don't try to make it seem like that there are certain things that you would like to experience get it out your system and i think what we see as individuals that watch the 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 athlete or the sport is how do you make all this money and you don't have any but that element of getting it out of their system was just at that level because we all do it it's just yours is on credit cards and we just don't know your salary each year right and so what i like to try to to tie in is that how the athlete habits is actually the habits of a common american it's just your awareness of their resources is greater for the awareness of your coworker, right? And and if you are aware of that, you would say like, yo, everybody's actually out of whack, you know, when it pertains to their finances. So that's what I would say was in regards well, to the time. I, yeah, I think if you look at the 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 debt or if you look 
at the debt of the government, the national debt, but you look at the debt of the average household of credit cards. But when you look at black people specifically, yeah. it's almost like this mindset is of lack and scarcity. And so that mindset keeps us there. So when you get that tax refund that you don't know or understand shouldn't be as big as it is, <laughs> or, you know, the things where, you know, as you grow up and you learn, oh, wait, this isn't how this should be. Yeah. How do we get past that? And like you said, the, the the professional athletes that we see is just a more pronounced version of what's happening every day in our communities. How can we get past the initial generational curse which is oftentimes a scarcity mindset. Spot on. Yeah, I, it, it is addressing that you have the mindset first, like coming to a realization that I'm operating in survival mode, which is okay. That is something that we inherited, mm-hmm. right? So our the generation prior to us were like, look, I got to do whatever we can and keep the lights on, pay these bills just to do enough to live. Once you acknowledge that you are operating within those habits, then you can say, okay, now that I'm surviving and I'm doing that in some form or fashion, what does thriving look like? So the awareness of your current situation and then thinking about what is the best version of my resources moving forward. And part of that is 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 really going to dial into what do you see for yourself? Because as you mentioned, one of the elements that unfortunately isn't as loud that I would like it to be is this a good amount of money that's been pumped into the economy through the um, due to the pandemic, due to the PPP funding, due to the EIDL, due to the stimulus checks that is naturally going to create inflation. So if you made a hundred thousand dollars last year and you're making that same amount of money this year, inflation, I want to say was tagged at about 6.2%, I believe is higher because they've been struggling on computing what it actually is. That means your hundred thousand dollars is actually worth, worth less. You're getting paid less this year if your salary is the same. So if you continue to operate with all I got to do is just take care of my bit, you're ultimately, it's not, it's not going to be a good look. So I, I think part of activating that in, in anything around finance is the first step is awareness. You first have to acknowledge where you currently are, what you're currently doing. From there, think through what is the role of money in my life? What What is it? Is it to pay bills or is it to build? And I think once you can identify that distinction, whatever you identify under that build column, that should be enough inertia, enough motivation, family, legacy, right? Like that should be enough for you to start thinking about the immediate next steps on, all right, I think my credit card is a little too high. Let me knock that down a bit. All right, my emergency fund isn't at three months and I need to get it to six months. So let me start building a a systematic game plan. All right, let me look at how I'm currently allocated with the uh, resources I have through my job, 401k, 403b, TSP, whatever it may be, but you have to have an awareness of how you're currently allocating your resources. And then you can step back and say, all right, is this paying bills or is this the bill? And those two prisms should help unpack some of the next steps within your personal situation. I can tell you, I have been in a place before in my life, and I think a lot of people are in or will be or have been in a place where you just kind of put your head in the sand. You're like, I don't pull my credit report. I don't need to know that. And it wasn't until I signed up and started getting monthly alerts and information did I get more attached to, you know, seeing that, hey, your payment history on time is growing, you know, and it really is a thing that you have to look at. Yeah. You have to, you have to look at it and you have to be aware because I think so many of us pass along or have inherited, not understanding our finances, not particularly paying attention to our finances. And like you said, just surviving and feeling like, okay, we made it another month, barely, or we robbed Peter to pay Paul. 
versus thinking, how can we thrive and how can we build? Right. So I feel like those were some action items you already gave us, but we always like to end the episode with hashtag be the change. Mm-hmm. The first change I would say is you can still be a professional football player, Isaac. And I want to, I want to add into that. I want to pour into that. Dream. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> I think I can offer you that. If I'm going to ask you to pour into us, I can at least offer you that so you can sleep good tonight with a smile and have a dream about the glory days, okay? I can do that for you. You, man, you still, I see you. I see you fit and trim. You you walk fast. You can still do it. So if I have offered you that, what can you offer us as our listeners? Y'all can tell I've worked with athletes. I, I really should be a sports psychologist. That's right. He's cheating so hard, and this is going to take him for the next month. Yeah, Eunice said, I can still play. <laughs> how, how can you pour back into us about what we can do today? As soon as we listen to this episode, what can we do to take a better better rein in on our finances? And and not only just our finances, the finances of our family and our future generations. Right, yeah. Um, has, hashtag be the change. Um, and the only reason why, I'm, main reason I'm smiling so, so hard, I told someone today, I was like, yo, I don't trust anyone that doesn't walk fast in the airport. Like if you walk a slow in the airport, there's something wrong. Like I need, I need, I need you, I need you on beat, Doc. Immediately, I would share with credit. So credit is there's a lot of misinformation out there in regards of what it takes to build your credit, repair your credit. There's those that are actually being taken advantage of. One low hanging fruit, and again, every situation is different, so it's very difficult for me to give some recommendations without knowing the specifics. But um, one immediate recommendation I would say is self s e l f. It's an app um, that you can utilize to be able to build your credit on a monthly basis. So ultimately you'll be able to identify a monthly savings plan as low as $25 a month. And those payments or savings are reported to all three credit bureaus, TransUnion, Equifax. We've seen clients' credit scores increase 30, 40 points within a month. Like it, it is it is a layup. Second, in regards of awareness, I would download an, uh, another app. Uh, it's through Capital One. It is free. No hard credit pool credit-wise. And it's not necessarily necessarily to look at your credit score more so to see what is reflecting on your credit. And if you have anything in collections, they have the contact information, which you'll be able to call them directly. So again, that's on the awareness side, right? And the alerts. And I believe Eunice just spoke to, she got that as well. Yeah. Third around credit, I'm gonna give two more around credit. The third around credit is the um, app through Experian. So Experian is actually, and if there's any small business owners that's listening, if you haven't applied for the EIDL loan, they are using your Experian score 570 minimum to be able to get two times your 2019 tax return amount. All business owners, please, please, please tap into that before the end of the year. Um, But Experian through the app is called Experian Boost. So it will actually pull any bills that you're paying from Netflix to Hulu to Waterbill, uh, and it will boost your experience score. We've had clients to where they've done that within five minutes, their experience score went up 40 points. Those that are renting, uh, there is um, a platform called Rent Reporters. So if you have a, a relationship with your landlord and you've been renting, um, they'll be able to go back, I want to say five years uh, to report your rent payments, same as self. It will, it will literally, clients, 
What was the last one? Went up 40 points within a month, right? So Capital One in regards to credit wise for awareness, self for secure credit card, and also to be able to report to the three credit bureaus, uh, rent reporters in regards if you, if you have a relationship with your landlord, and then Experian Boost to be able to boost it on, on that end. So that's on credit. And then just in regards of budgeting and, and the, the software that I was trying to come up with, I, I, but we could do it old school. Pull your last two months, 60 days, wherever you transact, a majority of your budget or expenses pulled the last two months. Now, it may be a little difficult because Thanksgiving may have been a little different, a little heavy because of the holidays, but pull those and see which expenses. If you said, all right, if I'd eliminate any expenses, which ones would they be? And highlight them. They may be reoccurring expenses. It may be an expense to be like, all right, I don't need to do that again in December. But that is a really good um, tool in regards of from an awareness standpoint to say, okay, what have been my habits over the last two months? And if I continue these same habits over the next 60 days, will the end goal in regards of what I want to do the build, will that be accomplished, right? Or am I creating enough discretionary income to be able to get that accomplished as well? So credit, cash flow on the statements and then investments. So any investments, another free tool, Investopedia. So I would sign up, set up an account with Investopedia. They actually send you definitions of terms each day. And you have the ability to set up uh, an investment um, strategy with friends. So there can be a situation where say, all right, let me get five of my my, my friends. Um, I want to invest $100,000. I really don't know what I'm doing. So I don't want to use my money. Let me use this play money. So it has a simulator. You can invite your friends. We did it as a company. Like, yo, who's going to be able to get the best return in the last couple months? But it's a good way to dip your foot in the pool without getting your feet wet. Right. So Investopedia is a great platform on investing. So I think we had credit, cash flow management, investing. Yeah. And I'll stop there. I think you have given us more than enough. I thought you were just going to say hashtag BD change, you know, have more money. But you gave us details and names and directions. So this is a bonus, bonus episode, Isaac M. Cooper. Thank you so much for for joining me. You seriously have enlightened me in some some thought processes, honestly. And uh, hopefully I've enlightened our, our listeners. Now, we have this thing. We like to get this part on tape, too, while we're still doing the episode. That once you become a guest slash friend slash family member of the History of Being Black, that means you always have to take our phone calls and emails and potentially come back and talk to us again. <laughs> do we have that recorded? Do we, do we get the acknowledgement? We, we do. And, uh, and if I'm not on the field playing ball, you know what I'm saying? I think, I think right. we'll be good. <laughs> That's right. We, we, you know, it'll be, it'll be on, it won't be on game day. It won't be on game day. Isaac M. Cooper, thank you so much. This was a wonderful episode. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you hashtag be the change. You have a lot of change you can make. Thanks to Isaac. So that was really wonderful. Hopefully you're inspired. Take care of yourselves until next time. We'll see you later. The History of Being Black podcast is hosted and produced by Eunice Elliott. Associate producer, Ariel Mancibo. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the History of Being Black podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. And on IG and Twitter at History of Being Black. The History of Being Black podcast is a mean old lion media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.